are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good show for you today on Wednesday. Remember we talked about the Pac-12 media rights yesterday? Well, we have an idea of who's going to do it, and it's pretty much what I expected. It looks like the Big Ten might be getting even bigger. We're going to talk about just a statistic in college football that's probably not going to sit well with Georgia Bulldog fans. The New York Mets are a dumpster fire this season, and now they're trading everyone away after the highest payroll in the history of baseball has turned out to be a complete disaster for them this year. And an Iowa State quarterback caught betting on his team. He's probably never going to play again. And we'll get to all that momentarily. So let's start in college football, where yesterday the numbers haven't been given out but the Pac-12 media deal expires at the end of this season, so they need a new TV television package. The one they signed years ago ends at the end of this year, so it was released by the Pac-12 commissioner that the numbers haven't been given out, but essentially it's going to be a streaming package on Apple TV. Now, I don't know how you can actually lay out a TV package when right now, after this season, the Pac-12 only has nine teams. I've told you that Oregon and Washington are probably headed to the Big Ten, which we'll get to in a moment because there's two other teams allegedly headed to the Big Ten, too, from the ACC that are big names. And then you've got the whole Utah, Arizona, and Arizona State who are supposed to be meeting with the Big 12 today. And they might be gone after this year. The Pac-12 might have four teams in their conference to start 2024. So why Apple, why any TV entity or streaming service would even get involved in a conference that doesn't even know how many teams it has doesn't make a lot of sense to me. But what they're saying right now is it looks like it would be a streaming package with Apple TV, which is just god-awful. Look, I know people are going to streaming. I get it. But when it comes to sports... They want the easiest way to find the games. Give them to me on CBS, NBC, Fox, or ABC, or ESPN, you know, or FS1. Like, those are the main ones where people watch their, you know, obviously you can find games other places. But, you know, we know that the NFL Thursday night package is now on Amazon and the Monday night package is on ESPN. We get that. But they're going to have, you know, two games in the NFL this year. One of them is going to be the Bills at the Chargers on December 23rd. It's only going to be on Peacock Plus or on Peacock, the streaming service. There's going to be one wild card game in the first Saturday of wild card football. That Saturday night game is going to be on Peacock. Like, it's – if you're a football fan, you're going to find the game. I, I get it. But college football, SEC's got a great television package with ESPN. The Big Ten's got CBS and the NBC Saturday night game. The Big 12 has got Fox and ESPN. You know, the ACC has got ESPN. The Pac-12 has got Apple TV kind of in the works. I'm telling you right now, if Oregon and Washington bolt for the Big Ten and Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah go to the Big 12, Apple TV is going to be like, fuck you, we're not giving you any money to broadcast your games. Look at your crap conference. Washington State, Oregon State, Stanford, and Cal 
would be the only holdovers from what we know as the, you know, Pac-10 or Pac-12. And those are not football juggernauts whatsoever. So their best bet is, you know, you hear the rumors, SMU, you hear Boise State, you hear San Diego State. Okay, then you're just like the Mac of the West. Not the Mac, excuse, uh, the, you know, the, the whack of the West, the Mountain West of the West. <clears throat> That's all you are. Might as well just call them the American Mountain West Conference. It's just, it's, it's not going to be an attractive conference. And then there's going to be four big-time conferences, Big Ten, SEC, Big 12, and ACC. So, but to hear the Pac-12 come out and say this and lay it out there, it's like, yeah, that sounds great, but right now, with nobody else defecting, you've only got nine teams to start the 2024 season, which is when this TV deal would kick in. It's just not going to work. I think I think everyone is well aware that the Pac-12 is about to disband, and it's just not going to be the Pac-12 we've known it to be. It's just not going to happen. Now, I mentioned Oregon and Washington probably headed to the Big Ten. Well, did you see the report yesterday of who else might be going with Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten? Clemson and FSU out of the ACC. Man, I tell you what, with USC and UCLA already being in the Big Ten starting next year, if Oregon and Washington join them, and then you get Clemson and Florida State, already a conference with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, I mean, you're looking at a conference that absolutely can match up with the SEC. USC, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, Clemson and FSU in the same conference? I know a lot of you saying, like, that's just crazy. You've got teams from all over the country. It's not even regional anymore. No, it's not, and that's what makes it great. You, see, I mean, just think of the possible – just the conference matchups you're going to get that we've never even seen. I mean, I don't know how many times UCLA has played Florida State in their storied histories. Probably very few, if any. USC, Florida State. Clemson, USC, Clemson, UCLA, Ohio State, Florida State, Ohio State, Clemson. We've only seen them play in the playoffs, and they've given us some great games. I fucking love this. I really do. All the, all the big names in college football, all the best teams and solid programs, I want them playing each other. I want more games like that. During the regular season, I don't want to have to wait till bowl season to get matchups because if it's not in a playoff matchup, these bowl games, most of these teams don't care. And these players opt out of bowl games. So, man, just a, just thinking about that, a conference with UCLA, USC, Oregon, Clemson, Florida State, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, <laughs> just the round robin of those teams playing each other every year. I mean, obviously, there's going to be years you skip over because that's going to be a 16-team conference. So clearly, you're not going to be able to play all those teams every year. You're going to have however they're going to do the schedule. But probably some years on, like USC will always be on UCLA's schedule and vice versa, and Oregon will always be on Washington's schedule and vice versa. I would think the Pac-12 schools, if it is the four of them that go over, they'll all play each other every year. Those are three games you will absolutely have on your schedule every year. 
SC will always have UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, and vice versa for the other three. And then, you know, if you get Clemson one year, you don't get them until the fourth year. Or maybe they do back-to-back. Maybe they do home-and-homes for the first two years, and then you don't play them again for three years. You know, they have to figure it out. But I think they're going to play each other enough. You're going to be like, wow, this is this is some great conference matchups. Because right now in the Big Ten, the biggest game we look forward to every season is Ohio State-Michigan. Yeah, Michigan-Penn uh, State's been good, and, and, and in the years that Ohio State plays Penn State, they've had some good matchups too. But it's just those three playing each other. I mean – the occasional hey Michigan State's nine and two this year okay great I mean yeah maybe they're, maybe they're good but let's face it no one else I mean the Big Ten is kind of top heavy it's those two and then Penn State is probably uh, you know obviously a notch below them because they haven't even gotten to the playoff I don't believe and then you know everyone else the Minnesotas the Northwesterns the Rutgers the Purdue's like they're all kind of just bunched together. Every once in a while, one of them will have a good year where they'll go 9-3 and three or something and win a bowl game. But everybody knows the cream of the crop in the Big Ten is Michigan-Ohio State and probably a small notch below them, Penn State. Now you throw in Clemson, Florida State, UCLA, USC, Oregon, Washington. Holy shit, that conference is loaded. And you can't call them top-heavy anymore. So, you know, do they go to divisions? Do they? How do they do the scheduling? I mean, what if one year... SC gets the three West Coast schools, which they will, UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, and then they have at Michigan, home against Ohio State, at Penn State, home against Clemson, uh, you know, on the road against Florida State. I mean, can you imagine that as your conference schedule? Because that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. That's eight conference games. I, I don't think it would ever work out that way. They'd have to throw you in a couple – you know, a Minnesota, a Purdue, or a Northwestern in there just to just to give you a breather. But that, but I just, I just love that. I mean, competition. Look, and I don't think it's it would be a bad thing because as we talked about when I had Jordan Rogers on the podcast, with a twelve team playoff, you are going to be able to have a two loss team make the playoff. You might even get a three loss team in the playoff now because that three loss team can go there with a resume of look who we lost to. Three top 10 teams, and two of them were close, and both of them were on the road. With 12 teams making the playoffs starting in 2024, you're absolutely going to have two lost teams. And I guarantee a three-loss SEC team will for sure make it in. If As long as their three losses are to uh, all top 10, top 15 teams, because they have a great resume. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, one thing about college football that I want to talk about in regards to the national championship this year. And, you know, Georgia is the two-time defending college football national champions with, the you know, they beat Alabama two years ago, and then they absolutely curb-stomped TCU last year, 65-7, in that game. Well, they're going for three straight national championships this year, and Georgia has one of the easiest schedules you'll ever see. Georgia is going to be favored by at least three touchdowns in probably every game they play this year except for the game at Tennessee, and they'll probably still be a double-digit favorite in that game. I think right now the early line's at 10. But every other game, they're literally three touchdown favorites. And they should be because they're going to be good again. But nobody 
has won three straight college football national championships since 1936. I'm telling you right now, I can't predict the future. I'm not going to I can't tell you who's going to win because if I did, I'd be a millionaire. I'm just telling you, you play those numbers. Any if you're going to bet who you think's going to win the national championship this year, there's no value in betting Georgia to win it again. Number one, it hasn't been done in almost 100 years. You know, we're looking at what? Uh 87 to be exact. So you're probably not you're not going to get any value. They're they're one of the favorites. I'm just saying, I don't think they're going to win it. That's a huge thing to win three in a row. And then this one, with all the pressure on them, with the fact that they're breaking in a new quarterback, the fact that you've got a hungry Michigan, Ohio State, Clemson, Alabama, that's going to get them. You know, They're going to have to play one, if not two of those teams, come playoff time probably. I just think it's going to be too tough. And the fact that it's been proven to be too tough since nobody's done it in 87 years, there you go. But, you know, Georgia, <laughs> I, I can't believe the easy schedule that they have this year. My gosh. They are going to steamroll everybody, and I think that's going to get people to thinking they're better than they actually are. Not saying they're not going to be good, because they are, the worst they're going to be in the regular season is 11-1. and one. That's worst-case scenario. They're not losing until the Tennessee game. That's literally the only game on the schedule that they realistically could lose. But as we said a couple weeks ago when we went over that semifinal game last year, yes, Georgia is two-time defending national champion. You cannot take that away from them. But Georgia fans, let's be honest. You guys were sweating bullets in the Ohio State game last year in the semifinals. They missed and had horrible clock management at the end of the game and still could have beaten you, but all, all they had to do was make a 43-yard field goal as time expired. 43 yards is not some hard thing to do. You know, C.J. Stroud lit up your secondary. Ohio State can play with you guys, so don't pretend like we just blow everybody out. You and I both know you easily could have lost to Ohio State in the semifinals last year, and you wouldn't be going for three in a row. So Ohio State comes back this year with the best wide receiver at running back combo in all of college football and Travion Henderson and Marvin Harrison Jr. So as long as their quarterback is serviceable, I, I, you can't say like, oh, no, they can't beat us. They should have beaten you last year. You know they should have. Because your defense, as dominant as, dominant as it was all regular season last year, got absolutely destroyed by Ohio State. Ohio State did whatever they wanted all game long. It was just who had the ball last. And Ohio State did and just happened to miss a 43-yarder. But neither of you could stop the other one in that game last year. So don't pretend that you are invincible because you're not. No team is invincible, especially when they're going for three in a row, which is why no one's done it in 87 years. So if you're interested in gambling, that kind of thing, and you're interested in who's going to win the national championship, I'm just telling you, play the percentages. One, you're not going to get good money coming back to bet Georgia. Number two, it hasn't been done in 87 years. Play the percentages that it's just not going to happen. Because when you bet who's going to win the national championship, you don't have to predict who's going to beat Georgia. You just have to predict yes or no, this team will win the national championship. And I would just bet no on Georgia. The New York Mets have been an absolute dumpster fire this year. They spent $353 million in the offseason to build like this super team. And 
<laughs> they went into last night 50 and 55, 17 and a half games out of first place and six games out of the wild card spot, but way uh, like five or six teams are even ahead of them there. So they're just basically unloading everybody. They unloaded the closer, David Robertson. They unloaded their two best pitchers, Max Scherzer, who's coming to the Texas Rangers, and Justin Verlander. They saved themselves about, um, it says they saved, uh, what's the number here? Um, Like, mm, well, 20, they're paying $35.5 million over the next 14 months for Max Scherzer to pitch for the Rangers. <laughs> um, the Rangers are only responsible for Max Scherzer for $22.5 million the rest of this year and all of next year. He's he's locked in for next year for the Rangers. That's the only reason he agreed to the trade. Or the Rangers made the trade. We, they said, we don't want to rent him for two months. We want him for two months and all of next year. They're paying $22.5 to Max Scherzer. The Mets are paying $35.5 million of his salary. The Mets are going to send Houston $35.5 million at least covering a majority of the remaining $57.5 million left on Verlander's contract. So they're going to pay $4.2 million this year and $31.3 of his contract next year. If Verlander pitches 140 innings next year, it triggers a $35 million player option for 2025, and the Mets would have to pay half of that. So, um, you know, they signed him to a two-year $86 million deal. Uh, after uh, leaving the Astros, and then he traded him back to the Astros. So it's just been a dumpster fire for the Mets from beginning to end. So they're saving about $45 million in salary tax. They're still going to have over $300 million payroll this year, but just barely over 300 versus 353 that they started the year with, and then just an awful, awful baseball team. But, man, you'd think – I mean, look, they went on the short term, you know, because they gave – Scherzer and Verlander, both two-year deals. So they're basically like, all chips are in. We're trying to win in 2023 or 2024. And they gave up with two months left in 2023. So you just made the Rangers better, who still have a half-game lead over the Astros in the AL West. Rangers get Scherzer. Astros get Verlander. I mean, this is going to be an interesting pennant race uh, for the division. But even if it – you know, whatever team doesn't win in the division between the Rangers and the Astros, it really won't matter. Other than, obviously, you get a first-round bye if you're one of the top two seeds in the American League. But it's not like the other one's not going to make the playoffs because they are, just based on their record right now. It would have to be a complete tank job for them not to make the playoffs. And finally, a quarterback, Hunter Deckers at Iowa State, decided to be smart to bet on his own team and bet college football games, and now he's been suspended, and chances are this kid's never going to play again in college football. He bet on a 2021 football game. He did not play in it. Uh, Iowa State beat Oklahoma State 24-21 on October 23rd of 2021. Affidavit alleges that he bet on that game, but it did not say how much, did not say what the bet was, anything like that. Um, He disguised his identity with the help of his parents. (laughs) So, yeah. The parents wanted in on some of his action. Last year, he started all 12 games for the Cyclones, and he was supposed to be the starter for this year. But that's not going to happen. So I'm already – I don't know. I'm sure it was taken off the board. But when that line goes back up, yes, they're playing an FCS team in week one in northern Iowa, but there's nothing about a team losing their quarterback right at the beginning of camp 
So right now, Iowa State's quarterback depth chart looks like this. Redshirt freshman Rocco Becht. Tanner Hughes, a transfer from Butte College in California. And they brought in J.J. Cole, who was the number eight pocket passer and number 111 overall recruit in the 2023 class. That's what they have under center when they start their season. Iowa State might be a bet against team early on. Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review if you'd like. Um, Pass this along to your friends. Let them know all about it. That certainly helps the podcast. And tune in every day. That also helps the podcast as well. So thank you all for listening. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.